Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. So, hey, everybody, welcome back to Business Black Belts. I am really excited today to have Armand Zaytunian on the show. Armand, thank you so much for coming on. Miles, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, so, you're a unique uh, entrepreneur in the sense that you have more than one company, which uh, I think is increasingly rare as entrepreneurs get younger. Um, so I'm very excited to see at a young age how you've had so much success in different things. But it does lead me to want to put the pressure on you. If you had to introduce yourself to the audience, how would you do yeah. that? Well, my name is Armand Zaytunian, like you said, um, and I would introduce myself as the CEO of Eco Waste, which is my cannabis waste management company. Uh, and a co-founder of Burbank Podcast Studios, which is a podcast studio. Yeah, and pretty, pretty straightforward, you, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I and I'd love to walk back. So, so those are obviously very, very different companies. How yeah. did you get into each of those? Because it seems like there's not necessarily. Let's talk about like marijuana podcast. Not a whole lot of overlap. That's that's right. Yeah. I mean, they just kind of fell into my lap, honestly. Um, you know, going back in time a little bit, uh, my first business, my first company was actually a medical staffing agency. We would essentially provide contractors to medical facilities that needed physical therapists or occupational therapists for their patients. And then uh, I led that company to a sale. We sold that company and uh, I kind of just drifted a little bit in different things. Started dabbling in marketing and, and you know, SEO and things like that. And uh, uh, the eco waste or cannabis waste management company kind of just fell into my lap in 2018, um, primarily because uh, a friend of mine had uh, has and had a medical waste management company. So pretty much a similar style company. Uh, he asked me to join that company, and together we founded Eco Waste. Whenever uh, California became recreational use for cannabis. And that's a pretty fast growing industry, from what I can tell. Like the waste removal specifically is just like going crazy. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, we're in two spaces where it's growing, you know, waste and cannabis. Um, so both of those are very fast paced industries. Um, one of them is nascent. One of them has been around forever. Um, and it just kind of accelerated everything. Um, and we knew what we were doing because of our experience in the medical waste. So we just duplicated that over and we kind of were able to get the hit the ground running. Now, there are a lot of dispensaries that aren't actually compliant is what I've learned about your space. So mm -hmm. a lot of people just kind of waiting to get a slap or the government's been a little lax on like, what's the state of that? Like as these regulations happen, how much people are willing to really comply with them? Um, it's, it's kind of a mess, honestly. Um, I'm, as I'm sure a lot of people do know that, you know, pay attention to it. Uh, a lot of, you know, people that are in the industry do want to get licensed. It's just not tenable, you know, this, with the taxation, the, the burden to actually apply and go through the process just makes it very difficult. Um, and then a lot of patients at the same time, a lot of people, individuals that need cannabis can't afford to purchase at a dispensary. So it's an interesting mix that's, that's going on right now. Um, there's a lot of debate back and forth between whether which one's doing the real good. Is it the licensees or the not licensees? Um, but I, I think it, given the option, most people would want to be licensed most uh, business owners dispensary owners and such yeah it's, it's an interesting question and for you i guess i'd love to understand when you can go back a little bit further sure. so how did you get into medical staffing so you, you owned that business or did you have a family connection what was the starting point 
No. Uh, well, the starting point was I actually managed a home health care agency prior to mm -hmm. that. And since we used uh, these agencies, these staffing companies, the kind of light bulb just went up like, oh, I, I could do this. And I just started doing it. You know, I had partners involved at the time. Um, and, you know, we just started doing it because it was working for us. We Why would not use our own a company agency to staff these contractors rather than outsourcing it out to another company. And yeah, it seems like you really like to build your own solution to things. And then you've been able to turn that into other businesses. Shovels. Multiple times my, over. You know, policy shovels, always sell shovels. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I prefer not to go digging for the gold. I'll let everyone else do that. And it's just, you figure out a service like podcasting that other people can't do well or don't want to do well. Yeah, I mean, with the podcasting yeah. one was really interesting, too. That just kind of happened on its own as well. Um, you know, ex some of the experience that I had in the marketing world kind of led to that. But ultimately, you know, we realized that, uh, me and my partners, we realized that, hey, this is a space that that's growing. People are doing more podcasts, and a lot of people don't want to deal with the tech. I don't like dealing with the tech. My partner deals with the tech. You know, he's the specialist with that, the guy behind the, the camera right now. Um but a lot of people are like me, don't want to deal with that. So we're like, why not create that shovel? Why not create that solution? We'll create the space. We'll have the experience and the, the knowledge uh, behind it and provide that service to people. And your model there is you actually are, so you have clients that are then using the studio to bring in guests for an in-studio experience. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're like, we're white label. We've created a template that anybody can use to, you know, do their podcast out of. A lot of people like their own sets, of course, but that, you know, takes time to build. And as podcast is, podcasting is growing, uh, we believe that, you know, creating a little launching area, launch pad for them, you know, is something that could work and be valuable to them. Now, how do you, when you measure your own success on like a weekly or monthly basis, because you're in so many different businesses, how do you do that? Like, how do you standardize? Because I mean, you could have a great week in the podcast thing and a bad week in the yeah. waste dispensary. Like, how do you decide what success looks like? Uh, honestly, that's uh, a great question. Um, that that today is a perfect example of it. I had some you know issues at the the warehouse for the waste side of it, um, and, and I just can't let that conflict with everything that happens here. It just it takes a lot of compartmentalization. I try not to let the two industries blend or two two spaces, uh, the the environments kind of blur together um it's really hard to describe how i got to the point where i can mentally just block what happened there and be present in what i'm doing at this business uh -huh. uh, so I, I don't really have a direct answer for you on that honestly that's a, that's a tough one it just kind of came to me yeah i've heard elon musk is that way it's like one day is spacex the next day is tesla yeah. the next day is spacex then because the otherwise it's just too much going on. now do you have an ultimate goal like is it a, is a financial goal is it a like having a number of employees, like how would you kind of measure success like in a 20 or 30 year period? Um, I would measure the success, success for me is how many companies that I'm a part of, uh, really, because I've discovered early on that uh, I just, I enjoy being in business. I enjoy being a piece of that puzzle, you know, and um, I like creating companies. I like creating process, uh, you know, getting the logistics of everything set up uh, and then just letting it kind of live on its own. So for me, uh, my, my goal 20 years from now would be, uh, I don't have a, I don't say I would have a specific number in mind or anything like that. It's just more, I want to be a part of more businesses. I want to, you know, participate, whether it's uh, being, providing marketing services, whether it's uh, being an inv angel investor, whether it's in some shape or form, you know, assisting that business to continue growing or to start. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting way to think about it. And, and how do you think that business broadly, I mean, obviously, it feels like you kind of have this hope that business could help be a solution to some of these problems in the world. But do you feel like more people being in lots of businesses like you and being entrepreneurial and solving their problems is kind of a solution to some of the societal issues we're having? Or how do you oh, yeah. think about that? That's the future. That's the future. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in the franchise models because because of exactly that. I believe that uh, more people are going to be trading in their time for equity rather than income. Right. You know, they rather have companies. They rather be a part of something that they own, that they're, you know, it's they're building with their hands or they're serving with their hands rather than working time for someone else. Not to say that, you know, the entire workforce is going to disappear or anything like that. Um, but I do believe that entrepreneurship and businesses are the future and will allow people to become more in control over their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and mean, it sounds like it's been that way for you. So yeah. what, what's the kind of work life balance that you do? Do you think about that? Are you like at extreme, like working like crazy, loving it? Or are you at potentially extreme, you know, like being able to have some time flexibility or what's been oh, that part I, of your journey? I always keep time for myself. Always. I have to every day. I have to give myself some time. And then um, on a larger scale, I'd like to I like to travel. So I rather, you know, save up or put my budget aside to put it towards adventuring the states or the, the world. Um, and that's my time off, essentially, in addition to the small like hour or two every day, I'll get to myself to wind down before sleeping. But I, I truly believe that you have to find your own work-life balance. And uh, it's super important because you're not going to be able to get any work done if you're, you know, burnt out. Yeah, I think it's a very good point is you, you can burn it, but only in short spurts. So if yeah, you're, yeah. And, if, and if you're not doing whatever Some people could do it longer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it, but it also you have to figure out what fuels you because if it fuels you is like traveling and seeing the world and stuff like you got to make sure you're doing that or all the money in the world won't fuel it isn't really the thing that's going to drive you to yeah um yeah, now exactly. what about books are you a big reader or a big pot i mean probably a podcast listener because you're so in the space but what are some of the ways you're getting new information both uh, i do podcasts and books uh, i do like books i do enjoy them i try and read every day sometimes mm-hmm. twice a day and podcasts same thing i'll try and listen to at least once a day whether it's at the gym or at, at work um, and I, I really enjoy books. It kind of helped me reading did kind of help me actually that, that answers a little bit of your previous question. Reading helped me kind of, um, compartmentalize myself better uh, because it re- required my brain to kind of shut down and focus on the book and not think about the million other things that are going on, you know, at the office or this or that. Um, so that kind of helped me with that, with, you know, learning that. And what like two or three would you say every entrepreneur should read? I would say Extreme Ownership for from Jocko. I love that book. Um, it kind of really puts a spotlight on yourself a little bit and how you uh, how a leader should actually lead um, and what kind of responsibility that is and how that plays out. Um, another book, I would say Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. I, I really enjoy that. I have to actually give that one another read. Um, and then Sun Tzu's Art of War classic that one is probably uh it's more of a tutorial than uh, you know a book you have to you have to learn that you have to master that i love i have a graphic novel version of sun Tzu that i like to read that but there's such oh, yeah. interesting principles because he was so far ahead of his time oh yeah big just, time yeah i mean the fact that he's still like yeah i mean there's like he's still like the military textbook like 300 years later yeah 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 it speaks it goes to show, yeah yeah, yeah, for exactly. sure. And ha- and what role have mentors played for you? Do you consciously, you know, put a title on that with certain people? Do you have advisors in the companies? Do you just more of an official 
you know, relationships to give you advice? Like what's been that process? More unofficial, you know, it's more just, um, I, I like to learn from online. I wouldn't, I don't have a mentor, like direct mentor that, you know, kind of uh, showed me the way or anything like that. Um, everything I've done is more grassroots. It's been with my own hands. Uh, I would say I have a lot of mentors. A lot of the podcasts I listen to, I would consider mentors. A lot of the people whose books I read, like Jocko, for example, um, I like to learn a little bit of every, uh, a little bit of something from everything. So, um, but no, no direct advisors or direct mentors or anything like that. And you have outside investors or you just own the companies? No outside investors. Okay. And do you like that? Or do you think you'll, would, would you do, cause you've done both. I mean, you sold businesses to investors, obviously. Yeah. Context matters. Um, I think, uh, when we get to a point where we scale to a point where it might be valuable to bring in outside money to scale even further. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but it depends on the business um, and it depends on what direction we go. Like if, if I was to go take one of these companies franchise, I probably wouldn't get outside investment. It wouldn't make sense for me. Um, but, you know, I'm not opposed, you know, to doing a, a raise or anything like that in, in any business environment. It just depends on the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's very much about knowing what you want to. It's like you that said, too. if you go for scale, like like so many people do, you just have to be aware of like there's a short-term cash flow difference or there's a there's a control yes. difference whereas like some of the flexibility you have now you don't have but the trade-off is like you're not you're going to be going around it one base at a time versus you know rounding home run hitting no. in a couple of years i'm big on i mean generally speaking i i my opinion would be more if if you have if you can you know stay independent as long as you can before you raise money grow it as big as you can before you need to do that um because yeah it's just a different game you have to play you have to answer these investors essentially um they're not your bosses but they're always over there you know always you know wondering what's going on they're questioning and you have a not just them you have a responsibility to them uh, and that's a big undertaking so i i would say you know as long as you can you know grind it out grow it to a point where you're comfortable and then if you want to just even some people want to just retire and like, hey, well, I'll just hire a CEO. I'll just keep my shares, you know, do the raise and I'll just, you know, ride the wave. And that's fine. Yeah, it's, I think it's about knowing yourself. It's, it feels yeah. like what your advice would be. Um, yeah. So if absolutely. anyone wanted to, yeah, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, is, is LinkedIn an okay way? Like, how do you normally feel if someone wants advice, someone wants to partner with you, be your customer? Like, I know you got obviously a couple businesses. Like, uh, how would you normally field those requests? LinkedIn would be the best way to contact me directly. Um, the, all the businesses businesses have their own pages, uh, but for me, I'm 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 only on LinkedIn. I don't engage on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. So that would be the best way. Awesome. Well, I very much appreciate a chance to have you on our show. Uh, we're excited to keep following your progress, and I uh, I learn as much as anyone doing these. So thank you for sharing that wisdom, and very excited to keep following your success in the decades to come. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. On. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.